Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life, so we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you and help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. So anytime uh, I start talking about wisdom or discernment or we start talking about wisdom and discernment, it reminds me of all the stupid things I've done in my life. All the, all the times in my life when I didn't use wisdom or discernment. And I think we all do that, right? We think about, gosh, if I would have just done this different, if I could have just had this time to do over again. And I remember one time in particular, I had, uh, I had this really cool lifted Jeep and it was just, I loved this Jeep, and, and it, but it had a soft top on it. And if you own Jeeps, you know that driving to work in the morning in a Jeep on a soft top can be pretty cold unless you give that uh, Jeep a little time to warm up. And so I would always go and I would kick my garage door open and I would start my Jeep and, and let that heat up a little bit before I jumped in it. But one of the things I did, or the way I did that, was just out of pure laziness. I'd open up the door and I would push in, because it was a standard, I would push in the clutch with my hand, start the engine, and let my Jeep warm up. Well, uh, one morning, for some reason, I didn't use wisdom or discernment, and I forgot to make sure that my Jeep was in neutral. So I open the door and I push in the clutch with my hand and I start it and I let the clutch off. And as soon as I do, of course, the Jeep just takes off on me. And it's in my garage, so it doesn't have far to go. But for some reason, I think that I'm going to stop it. So I hold onto the steering wheel. And it's pulling me through my garage, and thank God the back wall of my garage was really strong, and it just, boom, popped into it. It stopped, it dented up the front of my Jeep a little bit, and kind of messed my garage up a little bit. Now, of course, the first thing I did after that, like any guy would do, was I looked around and see, to see if anybody saw what happened. And when I realized that nobody saw what had happened, I didn't tell that story for a long time. But we've all done some dumb things in our life. And we're going to look at a couple of guys in the Bible, and we're going to contrast their lives and how one would use wisdom and one wouldn't. And I kind of look at these guys as kind of superheroes in the Bible, superheroes in the Old Testament. And one of those superheroes was Samson. And Samson, if you remember, he had the superhero strength from God of, of strength, the superhero power of strength. Solomon had the superhero power of wisdom. And I remember as a kid studying about Samson. I remember if, if there was ever a time, man, where the teacher would break out the flannel graphs and she'd break out Samson, I would just get so pumped and so excited because I thought he was like this superhero. I mean, he, he was strong. He killed lions with his bare hands. He caught 300 foxes and used them to burn down his enemy's crops. He killed a thousand Philistines using the jawbone of a donkey. This guy was bad. He, he was bad. Now, he, he was kind of like the Hulk, okay? 
Now, where I liked superheroes in the Bible as a kid, I also liked superheroes uh, that, that, that came out in the movies or came out in TV shows. And I remember the only reason I would ever watch the electric company on TV was just to hope to see Spider-Man. Did you ever have to watch that in class? I'm really dating myself, aren't I? I'm so sorry. But anyway, so I love, I love superheroes in, in, in uh, the culture too. And I started uh, collecting the Iron Man comics. I have almost the entire series of Iron Man comics from 1968 to 1992. I have them all collected. My wife loves them. She loves them. <laughs> she loves those boxes of comics. And so Iron Man, to me, was like Solomon because Iron Man's really, really smart, except Solomon, you know, wasn't arrogant and didn't have all the shortcomings. But that's how I kind of view these guys. And I remember the first time I heard the story of Samson, how I, I came home and I would pretend like I was Samson. I found a dog bone and I chased around all the cats in the neighborhood with it. Because <laughs> cats are like Philistines, they're evil. And then I remember trying to light my dog's tail on fire. It I, didn't work. And, and, and I, I still like to pretend like I'm Samson. I go home. I order my kids around. Act like, you know, they're, they're my servants. Order pizza. Pretend like the, the pizza guy is my servant. The only problem is, is when I act like I'm Samson, my wife acts like she's Delilah. And that's how this happened. So if Solomon is like Tony Stark and, and Samson is like the Hulk, we see that they're very contrasting characters. And we read about Solomon, we read about his story picking up in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4. The Bible says, That night the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, What do you want? Ask it, I'll give it to you. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine just, hey, going to sleep one night, God shows up in your dream and goes, whatever you want, just ask. I'll give it to you. Solomon replied, you are wonderfully kind to my father, David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you have continued this great kindness to him today by giving him a son to succeed him. Oh Lord, my God, now you have made me king instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am among your own chosen people, a nation so great, they're too numerous to count. Give me an understanding mind so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great nation of yours? The Lord was pleased with Solomon's reply and was glad that he had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people and have not asked for a long life or riches for yourself or the death of your enemies... I will give you what you ask for. I will give you wise and understanding, a wise and understanding mind such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and honor. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. What if that question was asked of you? What would you ask for? In that situation, without thinking about it, what would you ask God for? Well, of all the things Solomon could have asked for, he asked for wisdom and discernment. You see, Samson had all the strength in the world, but he was stupid. 
And his stupidity, his lack of discernment ended up costing him everything. Maybe Solomon made that request in light of knowing what Samson did with his life. Solomon accomplished more and had more than any king in history. Samson lost everything he had, including his life at a very young age. John Maxwell, who's a great teacher that I admire so much, defines discernment as the, discernment as the ability to see through to the heart of the matter. How many times have you been in a situation where you've just said, if I could just see the truth in this situation, if I just had God's wisdom, if we all had more wisdom, if we all had more discernment, could you imagine how much more successful we would be? Not to mention how much easier our life would be. If you could go through life without making mistakes, without making poor choices, or at least limit those, of course your life is going to be easier. Well, the fact is, is that we can have that superhero strength of wisdom. All we have to do is ask for it. And it's promised in the word of God. James 1, 4 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. Just ask for it. Now, you don't just ask for it once and expect to get it your whole life. And we still have to follow under the guidelines of what prayer is about. And God says that we should be praying daily. We should uh, ask for our daily bread on a daily basis. So we need to be praying for wisdom every day. And not only every day, but in the moment. Like we get into a situation and we're like, what, what should I do? Should I turn left? Should I turn right? Should I make this call? Should I buy this? Should I not buy this? We need to send up that quick prayer to God to just say, God, give me wisdom in this situation. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to, to, to say. I mean, we should be seeking God's wisdom in, every, in everything that we do. I, I've made enough mistakes in my life that we're now, if I have to make a decision, I not only will pray to God, but then I'll actually look for wisdom in other people because sometimes God chooses to give wisdom through others to us. I mean, if you're buying a vehicle and you know a mechanic Call the mechanic and say, hey, what do you know about this particular type of vehicle, this typical model this year? Is it a good car? Is it a bad car? Should I stay away from it? What do you recommend I buy? And allow yourself to use other people's wisdom that God has given them to make your decisions. Man, it will change everything. The book of the Bible that is known for the wisdom and counsel is, is Proverbs. And, and it was crazy because just this week I was reading my devotional and I was reading chapter four of Proverbs. The Bible says, my father taught me, and this is Solomon talking about David, take my words to heart, follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom, develop in good judgment. Don't forget my words. And he's talking about, uh, he's talking about his relationship with God and talking about his, uh, learning scripture and the wisdom that he has, uh, has had around him. Don't, uh, so don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will place a lovely wreath on your head. She will present you with a beautiful crown. Now, if you've read through Proverbs before, you notice that there's kind of a theme when they're referring to wisdom as, as a she. As, as a female. Have you ever wondered why? Now the girls were like, yeah, it's obvious. I mean, come on, of course, right? Well, you got to think about who wrote the letter and who the letter was written to. So the letter, letter was written by a father to his son. 
And the father is getting old and the father is deciding, you know what? I need to tell my son and give my son as much advice as I possibly can. So Solomon is speaking to his kids and he's just saying to his son and, he, and he's describing what wisdom is. Now, if anybody understands how teenage boys think, it's their dads. And so what he does here is he talks about wisdom as being a girl. And teenagers know how to pursue girls, okay? And so what he's saying here is that you should pursue wisdom the way you would pursue a woman that you love. You should have that same kind of passion. The way, same kind of passion you have for her, you should have in the pursuit for learning God's wisdom and having his discernment in everything that you face. And we got to ask for that every day. But now let's really contrast the life of Solomon with the life of Samson. And let's look at some enemies of wisdom. We talked about last week how to seek wisdom and get wisdom in our life. But this week, what can steal wisdom? So I'll use, I've been talking about Marvel stuff. I'll give you a little DC phrase here. What is the kryptonite to wisdom in our life? What could they be? Well, the first is pride. I mean, you read about anybody in the Bible that messes up, almost always pride is behind it. That's why Lucifer fell from heaven and became Satan. It was his ego, it was his pride. And Solomon says, and he understands that, he says, pride goes before destruction. Okay, so if you're going to be prideful, stuff is going to be destroyed in your life. And haughtiness before a fall. If you're arrogant, you're going to fall. You're going to mess up. You're going to be humbled. And we said that all the time. We say that all the time. We say that to our kids. We, we may be watching a, a movie or a TV show or watching a sporting event and somebody's acting real cocky and real arrogant and then they fail and we go, yep, see, that's what happens. Solomon knew that. When you read about Samson's strength in the Bible, it always says that the spirit of the Lord powerfully took control of Samson. So this, so God would take control, give him the superhero power of strength. It wasn't really his. It wasn't even his own, you know, giftings or because he's really been doing a lot of CrossFit and working out hard. It's not, it came from God. The problem with Samson was that he forgot that. He lost sight of the fact that God had given him this gift. He said, after he defeated the Philistines one time, he says, with the jawbone of a donkey, I have made heaps upon heaps. In other words, I've just stacked the bodies of these Philistines up. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. Now you might think, well, yeah, that's, that, wow, how arrogant, how prideful. He didn't understand or recognize that that gift, that power came from God. But you know what? We do that. We can't judge Samson too harshly because he gives us talents too. He gives us gifts. And if we're not careful, we end up taking credit for those gifts. We say, well, you know, I'm, I'm where I'm at because of my education or because of my hard work. That's what's made me successful. But in reality, the scripture says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. So James in that scripture says, hey, look, if something, you got some good going on in your life, you, you have some gifts, you have some talents, awesome. But no, it came from God. God gave you that ability. God gave you that gift. Remember that. 
And that will help you from being prideful. Now, another thing that will help you from being prideful and understand with each one of those things, these things we're going to talk about, we have to understand that there is an antidote. There's an antidote to pride. There's something that we can do on a daily basis that will keep us from going down that road. And the first is we need to bind up the spirit of pride on a daily basis. Now, understand, I need you to give me some grace on this because if you haven't heard the teaching on binding and loosing, this might be a little bit confusing for you, but we've got some really awesome resources in the bookstore on spiritual warfare and those kind of things that can teach you what binding and loosing is. And it comes from a scripture that talks about whatever is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. And it's very common and from, from what we look at in scripture is to see if somebody has a shortcoming, if somebody has a problem, if somebody's struggling with something, most always, almost always, there's a demon behind it. There's a demon of pride that wants to fulfill Satan's mission statement, which is to steal, kill, and destroy. So if you struggle with pride enough, it will destroy you. It will steal from you. It can kill you. And so if we know that, we want to bind up, which means that we're going to render useless that spirit's power in our life. So in Jesus' name, we want to bind the spirit of pride in our life. And then when we do that, then we also want to lose something. So what we want to do is we want to lose humility in our life or ask that God would clothe us, close us with humility. Now, humility is this beautiful thing. It doesn't mean that we walked around all beat up or that we walked around like we're all beat down. We just walk around understanding that we are God's child, and because of him is who we are. We're walking in humility. We're not arrogant. We're not walking around thinking we're all that. So we're binding the spirit of pride, but loosing humility in our life. Now, don't ask God to humble you, okay? There's a difference, and you don't want that. But you do want him to clothe you with humility. So pride, big deal. Man, Samson struggled with pride. He also struggled with anger, Man, Samson had a temper. Solomon said, anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood. It's like a flood. And you've felt that before, right? When you get angry, when you get ticked, it is like a flood that comes over you. It consumes you. It makes you make decisions out of the ordinary that usually you were sorry for. Now in Judges chapter 14, Samson bets some guys that they can't figure out a riddle that he's come up with. And he's at a bachelor party. And so they're all hanging out and he's like, I'll get them, I'll, I'll, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna make them look stupid. And, and he tells them, you know what? If, if you can solve this riddle, then I will give you uh, the amount of wealth that counts for 30 people or all their clothes or possessions from 30 different people. Well, they figure it out which makes him really angry. So in Judges 14, 19, it says, he went down to town of Ashkelah, killed 30 men, took their belongings and gave their clothing to the men who had answered the riddle. But Samson was furious about what had happened. So his anger cost him, right? His anger made him so upset. He didn't have the money to pay these people this bet. So he went and killed those that would. Anger went out of control in his life. So what's the antidote to anger? Well, bind the spirit of anger. There's a spirit of anger. Bind that up on a daily basis. If you find yourself an anger, angry person that, that is, can be filled with hate, bind it up in Jesus' name on a daily basis and then loose God's peace daily and then work through some forgiveness issues. Because I promise if you have anger issues, you have forgiveness issues. And you can't be angry or hate a person that you've forgiven. 
can't do it. You can't be fully a forgiving person and also be an angry person. So work through that forgiveness. So pride, anger, here's another one. Samson dealt with it. Oh man, took him down. Lust. Now Solomon says about lust, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let captivity, uh, uh, let her captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread and the adulteress preys upon your very life. Women were Samson's ultimate downfall. Lust is a very progressive sin that will always steal our discernment. And if lust has a hold on us, we will go, through, go to great lengths to satisfy it. I like what another superhero of the Bible says about lust. Job 31, he says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look with lust upon a young woman. Now you might read that scripture and you go, well, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hanging, I'm not, I'm not committing adultery and I'm not going out and visiting prostitutes. But what are you doing with your eyes? In this culture, it is really hard not to sin with your eyes. It just is because sex is everywhere. And the things that you can see on your smartphones with just a couple of key swipes are crazy, right? And so what Job said was, hey, I don't want to struggle with this. I don't want my eyes to fall on a young woman and then have myself lust upon her. We've got to make that same covenant with our own eyes. We've got to wake up on a daily basis. And if we struggle with that, the antidote is binding the spirit of lust on a daily basis. And then you know what? Get some help and accountability. There are great resources out there. If you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with that, if you're struggling with being able to look at a woman, now understand, if you're a guy and you were breathing, if a good looking woman walks in the room, you're gonna know it, okay? That's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what you do after you notice that it's a pretty woman. Do you gaze upon her? Do you think about her? Do you lust after her? That's when we get in trouble. There's an awesome website out there. It's called, uh, oh, what's it called? No, the one we just did the series on, setfreecourse.com, setfreecourse.com. And Fellowship Church has a deal with the curriculum writers. If you enter in fellowship at checkout, you get a $20 discount. So I think it's like $19.99. I'm telling you, if you're struggling with pornography, do this series. Go through spiritual warfare. Get an accountability group. Put some software on your, on your computers like Covenant Eyes that will hold you accountable to some people. Covenant Eyes not only will not allow you to get on certain websites, but if it does, it will email somebody, your accountability partner, that you're doing it. Okay? <laughs> That'll fix you, right? That'll fix you. But you know what lust taking over your life? We don't want that. We don't want, we don't want it to destroy us and lust will destroy. So bind that spirit of lust daily, get some help, get some accountability, go through some curriculums. There's some great stuff out there that will help you. Next is greed. Solomon says, but not these people. They set an ambush for themselves. They booby trap their own lives. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for gain. It ends up robbing them of life. Greed can overtake us. When you get bit by the want bug, that's all you can think about is what you want. You want that woman, you want that person, you want that new house, you want that boat, you want that car, you want that raise. Samson always wanted what he couldn't have. He took the Nazarite vow, which says, do not mess around with pagan women, yet that's all he messed around with. 
Delilah got him into trouble because he shouldn't have been with her in the first place. He wanted what he couldn't have. So the antidote to this is bind up the spirit of greed and selfishness and then loose the spirit of generosity in your life. And what I mean when I'm talking about the spirit of generosity, I'm talking about the gift of generosity or the fruit of generosity that the Holy Spirit can give us. When was the last time you prayed to be generous? Lord, help me to be generous. Help me to have the, the resources to be generous. Now you might immediately go to, well, I, you know, I just don't have much money. I can't be, I'm tithing, I'm doing good with that. But as far as giving any more than that, it's really, really hard for me. Maybe you're supposed to be generous with your time. Maybe God has called you to minister in a way and be generous with your time. And that's what you need to do. Whatever the case, if we start praying for generosity, if you're praying that you are a generous person, you won't be able to be greedy. Okay, next one is impatience. Oh, Samson was so impatient. That's what I struggle with. If you're a type A personality, if you are a cleric, or maybe if you're a melancholy, you will struggle with being patient. Solomon says about patience, a patient man, has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. He says in Proverbs 19.11, a man's wisdom gives him patience. Samson always got into trouble because of his hasty decisions. If he would have just slowed down and had patience, he would have saved himself so much trouble. So what do we do on patience? Well, we choose to pray for every decision that we make and we loose patience in our life. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just lose patience in me. Just, just give me the patience to handle every situation today the way you'd want me to. And then finally, another thing that will make you just stupid, stupid is liquor. <laughs> liquor. And I bring that up because Samson struggled with liquor so bad. Solomon says, whoever is led away by drink cannot be wise. So you drink too much, you're going to be dumb. Now, I'm not saying that, that having a drink will make you stupid. What I'm saying is that having too many drinks will make you stupid. <laughs> we know that. We get that. We've all been there. Scripturally, there's nothing wrong with drinking as long as you don't offend your weaker brethren. So in other words, if there's somebody that you're with that struggles with alcoholism, you're not supposed to drink around them because you may cause them to stumble. And of course, we're not to drink in excess. We're not to drink too much. And the Bible says that we're not supposed to do that because it understands it puts a, leak, a leaky faucet of wisdom in your life as soon as you start drinking too much alcohol. The alcohol goes in, the wisdom goes out, okay? <laughs> and we all know when we've had too much, okay? We just have to be honest. We have to be honest. It clouds our judgment. The reason Samson made that stupid bet that we talked about earlier that cost 30 people their lives is because he was at a bachelor party and he was drunk. If he hadn't have been drunk, he wouldn't have made the wager that he could not pay. Now, we live in America, and a large percentage of Americans don't know how to drink and it not be sin. Because most of us were trained in college to binge drink, and we continue that, and we use drinking as an escape from our problems. We don't drink a glass of wine because it goes really good with the steak. We drink a bottle of wine because it helps us forget our problems, right? <laughs> and so... We know, though, that when we do that and when we make those choices, 
it opens us up to poor decisions. Well, the antidote to that, let's say you're struggling with it. And, I, and, I, and there's actually a holic, what they call a holic spirit, which will drive a person that has what science would call an addictive personality. So if you struggle with addictive things, if you struggle with drinking too much, or maybe you struggle with drugs, and there's never a situation where there's, it's okay for you to take drugs, okay? But if that's the case, then you need to bind a holic spirit every day. And then you need a loose self-control in your life. And then you need to find help and accountability. And there are great, great programs out there for you if you're struggling with with alcohol. There's great, great people that can help you. There's awesome material out there where you can get the wisdom that you need to make the changes that you need to. Well, we're gonna close this morning. I'm gonna have you stand up. And as you stand up, I just wanna pray something over you. Holy Spirit, I just, I wanna pray right now that within our spirit, within our hearts, within our minds, that you would reveal to us any kryptonite we might have in our life. What is it that's our hot button issue? What is it that we do or the avenue that we go down that causes us to lose our wisdom and discernment? Or maybe we're angry people. Maybe we have so much hurt in our life that that hurt, that anger, that hatred, it it clouds our judgment. If that's the case, Lord, I, I pray for unbelievable healing. In fact, in Jesus' name, we want to bind up the spirit of anger. We want to bind up the spirit of hatred that might be in this room. But Lord, I want you to remind us now of anybody that we need to forgive. So we know we can't be angry with somebody if we've really forgiven them. So bring to mind that person. Now for whoever that is, and here's the thing, we've probably got a list, Right? Just choose to forgive them in Jesus' name for whatever they did. In fact, start that process right now. In Jesus' name, I choose to forgive this person for this action. Some of you are fearful to even do that because that anger has become a part of you. You don't even know what you would look like if you didn't have anger and hatred to fall back on. In fact, maybe you even think that's a strength for you. Don't be afraid of God's freedom. Don't be afraid of what God wants you to do. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would lose freedom in this room. Maybe it's pride. I pray in Jesus' name that you just bind up pride in us and lose the spirit of humility. Lord, if it's greed, I pray that you would give us a spirit of generosity. You'd bind up greed in our life. Lord, if it's, if it's a struggle, maybe it's a struggle with pornography or lust, or maybe it's a struggle with liquor or alcohol. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would bind up that holic spirit that could come against us. Bind up that spirit of lust. Cast it away from us in Jesus' name. And loosen us self-control. love you, God. And most of all, we ask for wisdom this morning. That's what this whole series is about. You have a decision right now that you need to make. 
ask for wisdom to make that decision in the right way. We seek you, God. We want to make the right choice. And I pray in every situation, we would seek you so we make that right choice. We love you. We praise you for loving us. We ask that you would help us to walk out of this place different, seeking you more often, looking to what you would have for us more often. That even the small decisions, we would consult you first. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message.